Welcome to the Football Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number Nine. And this is the phone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our second podcast of the season. As we've promised, there's going to be much, much coming on. Um, but we're going to keep it traditional and keep it relevant. We're in the Premier League, who are going to enter their game week four of games, I want to say. Am I wrong? Yes, week four. Yeah, game week four coming up. Uh, game week four, and it's things are heating up. Yeah. Every, nothing is going as predicted, and yeah, it's uh, it's been super interesting. It has been, actually. It's been, yeah, very interesting. And yeah, this is the last week before the international break. Let's just get this out of the way. Leicester City are doing it again, right? They're winning. The champ- <laughs> They're winning again, right? They're going to be first. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Let's go, Leicester. They're more, perhaps, maybe Everton. They've been quite good as well. Everton have been very good, but yeah. let's not overlook Liverpool, who have also been very good. But I think oh, yes. their squad are thin in this long. Yeah, and yeah. look, surely they can't go a third season with such a thin squad and yeah. <laughs> continuing to push on all cylinders, including Champions League, including Premier League, and you know the cups. Well, they're out of one of the cups. They are already out of the Carabao Cup, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Liverpool have uh, started like we'd expect, um, but we don't expect if Liverpool yes. are going to start losing form at any point in the season, we expect that to come around Christmas time. I think they might lose a game yeah, here and yeah. there because that anything can happen in the Premier League. But yeah, yeah, of course. Just look what happened to Chelsea last week. Yeah. Don't turn on for the first thirty minutes and find yourself three 0 down. Just Absolutely. Like to West Brom. Absolutely. And and look at Manchester United playing like absolute dog shit for against Brighton for the whole game and somehow win the three two. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, that Rashford goal, beautiful. Awesome. That was the only good move United did all game. Yeah. Like literally every other goal was like a mistake from Brighton. Well, I mean, Chelsea's game, they played really well yeah. for Probably ninety percent of the yeah. game, there was just three moments where they're like, "You know what? We don't want to play." Yeah, West Brom have the ball, have a free shot at goal. Why not? Absolutely. You want to shoot it in front of the goal so that you definitely score? Just shot. Absolutely, absolutely. But that's why we love football. It's moments that decide football. Yeah. Inches, moments, and yeah, yeah. you know, seconds of the game. Yes. And uh, I'll be honest, I felt super bad for Brighton after that game. Like, yes, that last minute, that last minute penalty. Yes, it was a penalty. Totally deserved to be called a penalty, but he'd blown time off. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And like they had four shots that hit the woodwork. Like. Oh my! Uh, United's defense is terrible, and I'm just gonna go on a slight rant about United. I don't understand why we don't have a center back, a center back that can play on the left center, because we spent eighty million, eighty nine million dollars to get a good center back in Harry Maguire, and we're playing him out of position, and he's not playing at his best. So clearly, our defense is not as good as it. Like I don't get that. Why break the bank and not fulfill the potential of that investment? Like you know. That's a good point, really. Like, you spend all this money on a player who's really good at this one position, and you're like, but we're not going to play I mean, him there. Don't get me wrong; he's fine in his other position, but we know he'd be a ama- he'd be way yeah. better in that in the 
uh, in the right center midfield. And if we just get a good left center midfield, like Eric Bailly is a good player, um, but he's clearly not getting enough minutes at United and he has injury problems. Um, I'm still not convinced about Lindelof. We really, I, I know everybody's talking about Sancho and yes, a right winger would be great for our attack, but we have good young attacking players coming through our youth system. So I'm not too worried about that, but we really needed a center. Yeah. We really needed to get a really solid center back partnership and yeah, like yeah. someone who can uh, like mentor the young kids in the defense coming up as well. Because I think our fullbacks are good. Their fullback is a nice to have, um, especially right, uh, especially left fullback. Um, right wing would be amazing. Like it would turn us into competitive play, a, a very competitive team that could probably compete against Liverpool and Everton and Leicester. Yeah. But yeah, the everything else just doesn't make sense. We got a centre mid, and he's good, and he seems good. But I don't. Centre mid was another nice to have. Like it wasn't like something we blatantly needed to get done. Like it was like it would be good to have someone because we have a long season and we'll need the bodies. But that's it. Yeah, it wasn't like you were lacking central midfielders, yeah. really. Uh, my only like, saving grace for me is City are on the same points, and they're only ahead of us on the table because of alphabetical order. <laughs> Uh, silver lining. Yeah, but I mean, I mean Leeds are ahead of us on the though. table. Like, oh my god. I don't. Uh, yeah, they're ahead of us on the table too. So. But you don't hate uh, Leeds as much as I hate Leeds. I I no, wanted them that, not that to true. come up, and I I've been like doing every. But a part of me was real is really looking forward to us playing them at Ellen Road and them coming up to Old Trafford. So there is that. I mean, if it if it helps, Aston Villa's above yeah. us, and you know my feelings. Yeah, it doesn't Aston make Villa, sense so. though. Leeds are a traditional rival of Manchester United. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. That's the you know this is just my personal. I, I mean, I get it. I, I get it because I get you, not because like you know that's it's a thing <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Chelsea's got the same problems you guys for some reason. The central defense is just. Looking yeah. crap. Goalkeepers looking even worse. Yeah. And I mean, they last week against West Brom, we swapped out Kepper and brought in um, Calabria. Yeah. And I mean, you guys really needed a keeper. I think game, that was something. Or yeah, one. yeah, you needed a keeper. I'm sorry, I meant to say yes. And yeah. Chelsea does. Well, I mean, it would be okay if Kepper. Had Sorted his head out or whatever the hell is going yeah. wrong with him because he's a decent keeper and we paid a lot of money for him because he was a really good keeper and he was okay for a year but then he's just something's got in his head and he's just lost confidence or something. Uh, confidence is just... everything for a keeper. Like, yeah. oh, like David De Gea yeah, and... for a while last season was a shadow of his former self. I think he's back and I think yeah. he made some very good saves in that Brighton game. I mean, he... yeah, I'm actually. Hoping Kepa doesn't leave, like we don't sell Kepa, because I think he's. I've seen good things out of him. It's just he needs to get his head. I think I would not. Uh, as much as I love David De Gea and he's carried our team for so many years, um, yeah. football is a brutal business. I would not mind if we gave Man- Atletico Madrid a lot of money and took Jan Oblak and swapped De Gea, like. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind that. Um, but that being said, I'm happy for yeah. De Gea to stay. He's a good player. Um, yeah. 
you know, we've got um, was it Mendy Mendy from mm. uh, Rens? Yeah, yeah. So it's just a matter of him getting up up to speed and ready to play. He might have to play this week against Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah. Apparently last week was just it was just Crystal too soon. Crystal Palace the are another team that are first. starting off really well. I mean, I think they'll comfortably stay top of yes. the table this season. Like, I'm not expecting a European spot Pass, yeah. for them. Um, let okay. alone Champions League. They might even go far in a cup and win one. That They have that squad. And, you know, Roy Hodgson is a wily manager. He knows his crap. He knows how to win games, especially in the, the in an FA Cup type scenario. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think Arsenal are doing really well. I think Arteta is showing yeah. a lot of... Uh, I think he understands what he can do and what he can't do at Arsenal with their budget and what their what the club is about. Um, Aubameyang staying, and I think because everybody has in this post COVID post COVID, we're currently still experiencing COVID stuff yeah. like the current COVID world. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Arsenal uh, big players wouldn't be signed by because you know Aubameyang's at least a hundred and fifty million dollar striker. And like he yep. wants a million dollars a week at least, and he's getting that at Arsenal. He's not moving anywhere, and nobody can really afford to do that now. No, exactly. It's yeah. There's just not the money there at the moment. And it's I feel a bit weird about it because like Manchester United are haggling over eighteen million pounds for Jadon Sancho, and I think Jadon Sancho to me is the difference between Manchester United finishing outside the top six and finishing in the top four. Because everybody else has improved their right. squad, I don't. I think City will be in the top four despite their bad starts. Because I think Guardiola still has it. Um, I think Liverpool yeah. are still going to be in the top four somewhere. Yes. I definitely think Chelsea and Arsenal and Leicester City are now going to def- and going to compete in that top. You know, be- between positions three and five, three and six rather, and Spurs yes. too. And they've all improved their squads. And so yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'll. I was complaining about defensive boys, and whilst we had Thiago Silva on the field against West Brom, um, I mean we have brought a very experienced centre defender to shore up our central defence. And a very good one. Uh, we brought a new goalkeeper, a very good one. Brought a, a goalkeeper who's had the season, a wonderful season yep. last year um, in the French league. I expect uh, so, Chelsea's defence to improve yep. as the season goes along. Yes, and and I'm. We've got um, Chilwell as well mm. to help in the left um, fullback position. Um, ben Chilwell was so a yeah, good signing. So we're going to have, yeah. So that should be. And our defensive Kai Havertz is so an amazing signing. Uh, even if he doesn't kick off this yes. season, he's going to be great for Chelsea if Chelsea oh. can keep him. No, uh, yeah. He, he looks like he's going to fall and get everything falling in place reasonably quickly. He's. he's the first three games, yeah, he's looked rusty and a little off pace, but at the same time, you can see him being like, oh, I've got to play like this. Oh, I see. I have to do this, this, this. And it's it's just, basically what Pusilic was like at the clicks. beginning of last season, and he's great now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Or Pulisic, I should it. say. Yeah, Pulisic. Um, you see it with him as well, and he's to come back. So he'll come back into the side mm. as well. That gives us more. Hudson Adoy, do you think Chelsea should let him go to Bayern? I mean, for the player, I understand because Bayern are actually promising yeah. him minutes. It's not like he's going to like a small club in Germany. He's going to the champions of Europe, you know. I know. 
it's a huge yeah. opportunity for him for, rather than sitting on the bench in from, Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably from a player point of view, it might be more worthwhile. Um, but that said, I mean, he's just swapping one club, the same position in one club for another, right? He's going to go there and whilst they'll be talking up the minutes he's getting, he'll still be sitting on the bench and then coming in. I think the difference there is perhaps he'll get more minutes against the lower league, the lower ranked clubs. Oh, Germany. yeah. Uh, whilst... I think also Bayern Munich, excuse me, and Bundesliga clubs in general are more willing to give their youngsters minutes at the moment. Um, yeah. And they've... It's basically been a finishing school for good English talent um, or talent yeah. coming from the Premier League. Um, are Chelsea yeah. really it's keeping like him only because they don't want him to become another Kevin De Bruyne? Like, I feel like that's literally the only reason. I don't know. I mean, he's getting minutes with us. It's not like he's not playing. He started one of the games. He's, I think he's played. Each yeah, but I think you three. can agree that Kevin De Bruyne came back to bite you in the ass. And so did Mohamed Salah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of those are very true statements. Yeah. That we had them. Yeah, and it's been that in the past too. Yeah. So yeah, it's just there is that as well. It's like we know he's a good player. He's going to be good. And Arsenal do had the same. To, do we want to let him go just because we can't fit him in? And Arsenal had the same thing with Nabri, who's now doing super well at Bayern. Um. And yeah. I think his style fits the way Bayern play now more than Chelsea does. I think Frank, Super Frank has a different system. Like Hudson-Odoi is not going to yeah. be at his best, whatever position kind of Frank would play him in. No, no, and it does show that he's a little off the off the pace. Well, off the pace, but yeah, a little out of mm. position when he's playing because he sort of gets played more as a winger and whilst he's there good, um, no, he doesn't doesn't seem to have the cut in, or perhaps it cuts in too far. I never really worked out like it's something just doesn't quite fit. Yeah, you know, it's a little too roundish peg, and it's a little bit too square hole. It's, it's almost there. And yeah. You're looking you know, good, and you don't really want him to leave. You want him to play well for us. But yeah. At the same time, something's not quite mm. right. I mean, to add insult to injury, so, you might even end up just buying him back from Bayern. Yeah. I mean, the other option is just to look at, uh, you know, a loan deal. Or, or a buyout a, clause. Or a buyback clause, yeah. And just be like, cool, you can go play there for a couple of seasons and then we'll buy him back. Mm. Um, but. Which is, yeah, good work. And it's, it's not like, you know, mid we we don't have midfielders. So from that point of view, it's, it's like, oh, well, he goes, he goes. We've got... Plenty of say we've got Pulisic to come back into the squad, um, and it feels a little bit like Hudson Odoi has been holding his spot. That's that's the slot. So when he comes yeah. back, it's like, does it? Yeah. Now the other question I've got to ask you: Do you think if City stay in their current vein of form, which I don't think is going to happen, I should point out, it's only been two games into the season. That is not a large enough sample size. Yeah. Ten games into no. the season, if City are on less than, let's say, 20 points, would they fire Guardiola? Ooh, that's an interesting thought. Like, would Guardiola just resign? I actually think no to both first. 
I agree course. with you. I think they wouldn't fire him. They would give him a chance. And the city, Manchester yeah. City have always taken the long view. They're not a short-termist. They're not like Abramovich. Sheikh Mansur is not Roman Abramovich when it comes to running Manchester City. No. They're very different people and very no. different philosophies. Um, yeah. And it's, like I always, sorry, go on. I just yeah, I feel like yeah, Manchester, say Manchester City more likely to be like we need you know things go badly, we'll see the season out at least. And I feel Guardiola Guardiola would be more likely to walk if out of those options if he looked and was like, look, the problem's actually me. Mm. And it would have to be obvious that if he lost the dressing room, obviously he'd have to go. Yeah, if he, oh, if he lost the dressing, room, I don't see that happening. Losing the dressing room more that he looked at him with it's my managerial style is not going to work out, and the actual best thing for the club is to have a new manager. Yeah. That's the only time, the way I would see him leaving before the end of the season, no matter what. Yeah. Unless because you say either he loses the dressing room, which seems extremely yeah, unlikely, I agree. or and they've been super unlucky with season, injuries a... as well. We'll have to just point that out, yeah. and they they oh, are yes. probably gonna buy a centre back, like probably yeah. uh, very likely, uh, I should say, gonna. As you say, it's it's two games yeah, as yeah. well, so it's not like. So I'm not predicting this is going to happen. I'm just hypothe- hy- hypothesizing, shall we say? Um, yeah. So yeah, but they beat Wolves. They've won both their um, league cup ra- um, matches, and then they just got pummeled by yeah. Leicester. But like, I, how much is that bad yeah. City and just as you say, Leicester City being back or possibly back? Yeah. Yeah, we might get the Leicester City on a few Look, years back. James Vardy had only something like uh, five shots all game, and he scored a hat trick. So yes, that I'm I'm just putting it out there. I'm not taking anything away from Leicester or anything away from anyone. I'm just saying, like clearly, he they were destined yes. to win that game. They were. And sometimes it is fate. Fate exists in football. It might not exist anywhere else, but it does in football. Yes, yes. But um, I was gonna make... whether you want to call it fate or if you want to call it yeah, momentum. Yeah. Like, yeah. When when you put that sort like of stuff Aguero, like, yeah. like in 2011, Aguero, that was fated to happen. Like yeah. we know this now. Yes, like yes. I can't even be mad about it. I'm a United fan. Like that was fated to yeah, happen. Exactly. It's just what happens. Yeah. You're just looking. At like, Steven Gerrard slipping. Else? That was meant to, meant to happen. That was fate. That yeah, was that always going to happen. Like, Any universe you time travel back, nothing could prevent that from happening. Like, no, it's a, it's a universal yeah. constant. That has to have that moment. But um, I was having an interesting conversation with some of my cousins about football and like how Chelsea and Manchester, uh, and Manchester City have changed football. And obviously Manchester United have done that as well. Um, yeah. Like I think a lot of people think that the big thing Roman Abramovich did that changed everything was he be- he was a billionaire that bought all the good players. And that is that couldn't be further from the truth. There has been a history of yeah. millionaire and rich owners coming in and just buying good players and winning championships in football. It's happened in English football. It's happened all over Europe. And it yeah. obviously... Was it Blackburn? Yeah, Blackburn did it. With Blackburn, Jack, like, 95? with Jack Walker, with uh, yeah. Alan Shear and Chris Sutton, uh, a player yeah. you are quite familiar with, I'm sure. Um yeah, yeah. And Graham Lassau, another Chelsea alumni. Yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah, so say that it. is not why. The reason why Roman Abramovich is revolutionized football, not just English football, football, is he made 
English, he made English football. Uh, he basically turned Chelsea into a business. He ran it like a proper business. He ran like Chelsea have always had a long term vision. And as fickle as Abramovich has been with managers, he's not fickle with his directors of football, and he's not fickle with the board. They have a long term vision. No. They know the type of manager they want. And as Abramovich yeah. has stopped interfering as much with that side of things, like you know, we like. Let's just say, like, since Abramovich has taken over Chelsea, they've probably been one of the most successful and consistent clubs in English football. Um, yeah. Sure, the money helps, right. but, you know, Aston Villa had a rich owner. That, that didn't help them. And Liverpool had a rich, rich American owners for a long time before the, car, you know, current um, FSG sport people uh, took it over. And yeah. so money doesn't always get you championships. Uh, no, and you're right. Like the big thing Roman has done is say run it like a business. And I think the key bit there is having a strategic, yep. long-term plan. Like he's he's put in a strategic five-year plan to begin with, or whatever it was. He had that he brought on board. He says the board's been reasonably consistent, and most things have been consistent, except where they don't fit in with the plan. Yep. And so and I think that's where yes. like Mourinho mm. ran into issues is that he started to want to yeah. do his own thing. He wanted like, more no, of a control and say over things and that was never going to be yeah. the Chelsea way. The new Chelsea yeah. way. And yeah. And also like the new way English footballs had now been run like now for the last 5 or 6 years. No manager like other than Manchester United which who gave Fergie and that's fine because he was Fergie free reign to do whatever he wanted nobody else could do it and even Fergie had like you know um, uh, uh, David Gill to like you know bounce ideas off and they had a long term strategic plan and and uh, it's yeah, yeah. no coincidence that Arsenal's most effective and best seasons was when they had David Dane at the club who Arsene yeah, Wenger yeah. like let Arsene Wenger concentrate on football he didn't have to worry about the balance sheets yeah, exactly, and uh, you're right, and it's, you could almost pinpoint the moment when Arsenal yep. stopped being such a force, and it's when... David Dane know, left. The actual David Dane left, and the people running the team have to start worrying about, oh, where's, you know, how do we make money, or more concerned about balancing things right. out. And it's just it, help, it doesn't help that Arsenal's ownership people are awful like Stan Kroenke is one of the worst yes. owners in sport like just saying it out there um, yes. but the other thing is Manchester City didn't way they've revolutionized football is also kind of overlooked like Manchester City might actually become the first international football franchise like they own New York City in the MLS they own yeah, yeah. Uh, they own Girona in Spain, which that one hasn't gone too well. Um, they own uh, a, a Chinese uh, league club, which the name escapes me, and I believe they own the Melbourne Victory in the A League. Yeah, and that is their plan. Like that is they're fitting it together. They're getting the players in, and like one of the reasons why we thought Messi could be someone that Manchester City could get. Because now with financial fair play, they can't just go in like Abramovich did and just splurge the cash on players. Yeah, um, yeah. It, that, not so blatantly anyway. And 
So they need to be able to justify it. And like, I, I think, for example, Messi would be happy, to, not happy, but be willing to take a pay cut if there's a guaranteed, yeah, I have an MLS retirement where I'm paid all the money later on. And also like maybe a share in the team. Yeah, yeah, like as we were saying, yeah, maybe get a franchise when you retire. I mean, I don't think that getting a franchise in the ret- when you retire is on the table anymore because David Beckham has shown that he was a very, very shrewd businessman by being told that he would be allowed to buy a franchise for fifty million when the current franchise fee is three hundred million now. So he's yeah, I was yeah, I was thinking more sort of better way of putting it was perhaps. That he might be able to get a share yeah. in a franchise, yeah, be able to buy into. Yeah, it. but this, but the franchise fee, just the fee of getting a franchise to pay, you have to pay to MLS to get a franchise is three hundred million, and he only had to pay fifty. So like, that's know, crazy. crazy. Like, and obviously he brought in like good business people and everything, and his agent. Yeah, yeah. who also had a buy-in to that was basically because he was also Victoria Beckham's agent was like, cool, I'll actually give you over my shares because you guys have been amazing clients for me and made me so much money, which is like, by the way, Barcelona, this is how you treat a very good uh, p- person who's been good to you all your life, okay? This, just, yeah, just, just FYI. FYI, Barca, that's how classy people act. Yeah. Oh, Barcelona. Crazy. And, but uh, that's neither here nor there, but I think worth no. pointing out. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably worth just briefly mentioning or talking about Messi. And I feel Barcelona. like I think Maybe. Messi acted in very, very good faith with Barcelona, and I think Barcelona were just being complete dicks to him. Because let's be honest. He doesn't want to take them to court because he doesn't hate the fans. He doesn't hate everybody in the city. And he's, you know, that's not what he wants. He wanted to have a quiet breakup and, you know, see the kids on alternate weekends and all this other stuff. He, d- he didn't want to have like a messy divorce out in no, public. Exactly. No, he was trying to, he was like, and he wasn't, it wasn't like he was, you know, it was a sudden thing. I think we talked last time. You've been talking about mm. it for a while and been saying, look, these things, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with this, this needs to go this and way. Let's and be honest, if it wasn't Lionel Messi and Lionel Messi did not love Barcelona as much as he does, and literally, let's be honest, yeah. Barcelona are gaslighting him to staying, yeah. he would probably just be like, yeah, I'm not playing. I told you I want to leave. You're not willing to transfer me. That's on you. You can keep paying me $2 million every week. I'm not even going to sit on your bench because I'm not coming to the stadium. You can pay me to watch watch games at home and play pool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just practice in my backyard. And he's not doing that. So, you know, like we don't, we 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 have no doubt that Lionel Messi is a classy guy, at least. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Mostly, yeah. I mean, I love Messi. Yeah. he's definitely my favorite player. But there is moments there where you're like, "Oh, that's right, you are a very well play, paid player who knows his worth very oh, yeah. well." And you've got, and so he should do, and so he should do absolutely. Know, you not, know, yeah. Well, exactly. 
Not and like it would be another better. thing if he was asking to go to Real Madrid or to another club oh, in La Liga or something like that. No, he's asking to go to City. Yeah. You may not even play them all season or like ever. Yeah. You yeah. know, like <laughs> that's the crazy thing. Or maybe he would have gone to Juventus to team up with his uh, good friend Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Uh, the, the best thing I like that, about that the works. fact that they're really good friends is because it's all it's all down to Cristiano Jr. Because <laughs> Ronaldo's always been like, look, I don't hate him, I don't like him, we don't have a relationship, we're not, we don't play in the same team, like you know, well, there's no reason for us to hang out socially outside of like you know when we meet at work, which is for opposite teams, which is completely reasonable. He's like, yeah. yeah, of course, like I respect him as a player, and we're rivals on the football field, but that's it, like. And I think that's a very yeah. reasonable position to take. Uh, and he oh, only yeah. ever met uh, Messi in a, like a social setting is because his son kept pestering him to please let him go meet Messi. And then he, you know, one of the Ballon d'Ors, he brought him <laughs> along. And, and like one of the best uh, clips out there is like when Messi, like is when Messi started bringing his kids to Ballon d'Ors, like Cristiano Ronaldo, his, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo Jr. goes to them and like, oh, do you know your dad's the best player in the world? <laughs> so clearly Ronaldo doesn't dislike Messi because his son loves him like you know yeah. that's not going to happen in because if you see any of the Instagram like Cristiano Ronaldo Jr. doesn't hate his dad like they're clearly like besties yeah, yeah. like <laughs> uh, I think you're right I think that's the best sign that yeah there's no hatred there it's just a on-field rivalry yeah. if it's yeah, he's saying, Cristiano Jr. is like, this is the best player in the world. His dad's like, son. And his only response to that is like, look, he likes good players. I can't argue with that. Yeah. And his, that was his response. He's like, yep. Yeah, like, he's like, and he was all like, yeah, yeah, acting on, like he was just like, look, he's your total fanboy. He's your number one. He like watches all your videos and he keeps going on and on about me about, <laughs> to me about how great you are. So there you go. <laughs> That's the best thing ever, really. It's a, oh, it's so it is, it is, and like I think, like it's like it's like a real wholesome thing about two really great rivals who actually get along and like you know have learned to get along in this really weird way, <laughs> like they're yeah, and like you know the last Ballon d'Or, Cristiano Ronaldo's like, oh no, I don't, I think I, uh, because you know the the prisoner was like, you guys have to retire at the same time. And he was like, no, no, that's not fair to him. He's like younger than me and he's got a good few years more left, you know? I mean, I think I'm good for my age, yeah. you know, but... <laughs> what I like about that is it's, it's, you know, it's nice and friendly. There's nothing really big, but there's just that subtle, subtle ribbing involved. Yeah. Uh, and I like, get all good nature yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, that's hilarious, but uh, that whole scenario is a shambles. Like I feel yeah. like, yeah. Uh, if we could briefly go into Spanish football, we're not expecting Barcelona to finish in the top two, are we? I think Atletico are probably favourites at this point with Suarez in their team, and yeah, yeah, and just being all round good and seeming to be actually a club run coherently and well. And Real Madrid, just because, you know, they're Real Madrid. Madrid. Though, I don't know if there's a lot of a club run well there, but hey. And being coherent. There's, you know. As much of a shambles as Real is to a degree, 
They're not as bad as Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barcelona. But yeah. like a lot of our predictions are really hard because I think the lack of crowds is going to play a big role, and it's going to play a big role in yeah. the Premiership. Um, so going oh, yes. along with that um conversation I was having with my cousin about um football and like uh, there was I read an interesting article about a person who was a professional sports better who basically was one of the first people right. to use just analytics to win money in sports betting and one of the things he All bet right. on was football and he never watched a game ever because he felt like that would like emotionally invest him to making bad bets like right. he couldn't even name the Manchester United lineup and he would make most of his money from betting on games in the lower leagues because he knew they couldn't really do odds for those that well. Yeah. yeah. And he would rake yeah. it in. And he said that, look, a lot of the times they just give you the favorites to a, uh, to your, uh, to the team that's at home, but that's really foolish because at the lower level, really it's about the really good player who may or may not be injured in teams because you don't have that depth. Yeah. You don't have that flexibility and resource, and like yeah, home exactly. field advantage is only a real thing at the top, at the highest level of the game. Yeah. And so, without home field advantage being a thing, it's going to be very interesting to figure out. Like that's how I figured that we uh, Solskjaer got some Fergie time away from Old Trafford. It's like, eh. no, but nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah. so yeah, the, the, uh, the lack of fans is definitely going to play a role and it's going to give, yeah. it's going to make it a bit more of an equalizer in my opinion. Yes. Yes. It's definitely going to, um, as you say, it, any of that home field advantage goes, so then it comes down to, yeah, who's preparing well. Mm-hmm. You know, whose players are up to speed um, and whose players can lift themselves for the big games without that emotional yep. um, atmosphere. You know, whether it's a home team being spurred on like yeah. the West Brom. So that's the other question. Game. Is it fair to reallow fans again at some point in the season? Because it it's becomes like, unfair, right? Like, because... From a sporting point of view, yeah, it's it, it's 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 no longer the same conditions, right? Like if Manchester United do really well in the first half of the season against top six opponents because they were all away games, and then like the back half yeah. of the season they play them at home and there's fans back, and obviously that's going to be a huge advantage. Like I'm just hypothesizing here. Um, yeah, yeah. But should that be allowed? Uh, by the way, it will be allowed because clubs are. Losing money hand over fist, and hand yeah. as we know, even Premiership clubs are close to running yeah. bad. Some of them will, ha- some of them will hang on. The Premier, oh, the Premier League, League will hang on. Don't get me wrong, it. but they're losing money. Oh, they're losing money, but even the cl- yeah, even the bottom clubs who are lo- closest to insolvency will probably I, hang it's, on. It's it's very rough. Most of the and season. it's uh, but it like from a poor like does this season as well as last season deserve an asterisk? Well, I think last season I'm almost tempted to say no. 
Even I don't necessarily th- I don't necessarily think Liverpool's but. championship deserves an asterisk, but as a Manchester United fan, do I think Manchester United's third place deserves an asterisk? Absolutely. <laughs> United yeah, were not yeah. going to finish third if there wasn't COVID. Like I think I, I think yeah, we can yeah. all agree with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last season is just so topsy turvy as it had. This season, but at least everyone was on the through. same boat, kind of last season. Yeah, yeah. This season, something like at least last season, it sort of stopped and then they restarted. So it was and people the, knew what it was going to be. Last time, yeah, the last time, and even though that definitely meant that there was games at the end where the reverse fixture had had crowds and the home court advantage, and then didn't the that sort of got negated by the restart, by the break in the yep. restart, because then you had other factors of well, you, who's you, you sort of need a new preseason, yeah. so who's coming out of training right? And you're not going to get preseason yep. games, so you've got to come running into a competitive game. Oh yeah, and and no, so that sort and of more overrode any home to field a certain degree. There. The end of season, because uh, COVID kind of acted like a bit of a preseason for the teams this season. Like if compared to yeah. the NFL, where injuries are just rife. Like, because they usually yeah, play the four preseason games to get their players into shape. Yeah. Clearly, that's been uh, missed. But on the other hand, you get yeah. people like your know, Aaron Rodgers going like, "Yeah, for the first time in ever in forever, the beginning of the season, my arm doesn't ache," and he's like on fire. <laughs> yeah. So it does vary, but, but yeah. not everyone's an Aaron Rodgers who probably practices like you know. Uh, something like five hours a day every day on his throwing and his mechanics and has that work yeah, ethic. Yeah. Like, not every athlete in the world is like that. No. But yeah, it, it is a bit right that this, the Premier League pretty much had a preseason yeah. by having the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I feel like this season's probably going to be more of an asterisk, depending on how deep they go into the season before they get fans. Mm. If they, if, they happen to work out a some sort of um, loan or funding system where they don't need where they don't the government's like fine we'll give you money and because we don't want fans in because that's too high a risk uh, and so they go actually go the whole season without fans then I sort of wouldn't put the asterisks yeah. up it'll be only if we just sort of get third half the way through and then fans allowed to come back yeah. in. Then, because then you're definitely getting the season of yeah. two halves going on, where some games didn't have fans, but and some games did, and without any other overriding my, factor that might cancel out that that effect. My counterpoint to that argument is the Christmas fixtures, where home crowd advantage is so key, and that part yeah. of the season being played uh, behind open, you know, uh, behind closed doors with no fans is basically. Make or break. Let's uh, let's be honest. Like ninety percent of Premier League titles are make made in that part of the year, like or broken at least. Like they might say you don't, you can't win a title in August, no. but you can definitely so you lose, can lose a title in December, it. and you can definitely set yourself yes. up to win a title in December and yeah. in January. Sorry, the first week of January. Title, yeah, you can turn yourself into title contenders. Yep. Or you could just absolutely destroy your oh, title yeah. chances. Yeah. 
And like that brutal part of the season, um, without having fans there, um, it's going to be very, very interesting, and it's going to change the, the the complexion yeah. completely. Um, I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, it's irrelevant because I'm sure there's there are people used to put asterisks on like the football season of like 2013 before or 2014 before the. Uh, arms before World War One was declared, when all the players suddenly went Hunting, got Hunting. drafted, and then they had to play amateurs. Like I'm sure people put asterisks on that, <laughs> but nowadays yeah, yeah. we don't think about it. No. So yeah, but at the same time, I feel like it. Reading up on it, it seems more to me that at some point they're gonna have to allow crowds yeah. in there. I, financially, it's impossible Especially, for them to not allow crowds. As yeah. soon as the government lets them allow crowds, they're going to allow crowds. Like I think we can all agree yeah. that's going to happen. I mean, that's going to happen eventually. The, uh, without getting into non-sporting matters, the UK government are probably trying to be very careful because yeah, there is a little bit of a second or third yeah. wave or whatever wave they're up to coming, and they. Mm. In the sounds of things, they're very worried because it's coming into their yeah. winter, the autumn and winter. So that's obviously traditionally yeah. high flu yep. season, and they want to be really cautious and be like, we really need to ensure mm. that everything's stamped out. And we and things are they're starting to see a bit of an acceleration. So I think they had said the first of October, like from this weekend, there could be fans, and then they U-turned on it because things was like we don't they didn't like where the bottling was taking them. They're like we can't allow even a restricted access so i think it was still had to, they could have fans but it was still going to be really reduced mm. numbers so like you weren't going to get the full houses that you were getting yeah. full house was going to be like a third of absolutely um because i think quarter. it was 24 25 percent is what i read and yeah quarter that's what i was saying is whatever it was and which um look i'm just gonna say i'm glad i don't i'm not in the position who, of, of having to make these decisions like um so i'm not in any way criticizing the people involved who are making the decisions based on the advice they're given no, like clearly people will disagree it and it's a hard place there's no yeah. way you can tell what the right decision was probably till like maybe five or six years from now so not criticizing that but it's and not it, uh, it looks like it won't happen at, till november at the earliest no. and you say try not to get too much into non Sports mm. stuff. But but this is like sports in the time of COVID, so we'll just keep it to the COVID. Keep it to COVID. I was just saying, it's one of those things that, from a government point of view, or from that decision making point of view, you know yeah. you've got it right when, after the case, everybody thinks yeah. you've got it wrong. From the, you should have done it, you should have been quicker on doing these things. You know? Okay, things were right. We were just cautious yeah. enough that, well, until after we've. Yeah started opening things up that's when people said why didn't you do this earlier like good you weren't asking that you know demanding that beforehand yeah. it was only after we started doing yeah. it so we got it right yeah if you start doing it then everybody gets everything goes horribly wrong and you did it wrong so i think yeah. them being cautious is is good mm. yeah yeah so i mean as i was re- you linked for the spn thing and i was reading there there's hard times for a lot of clubs, especially the Absolutely. lower league clubs. I can understand that for them, 
it's basically absolutely brilliant. and yeah. i think they may it's... one of the people that, uh, who were talking about it uh, who was saying like i'm in the minority but i think the government should front up because they have put like yeah something like a billion dollars and this is getting into politics but i'm like i can i don't know if i agree with them but i kind of see where they're coming from where you know football is a vital part of uk culture like we, we can that's yeah. not a controversial statement like and no the especially the lower leagues where they are so integral and important to that community and that local area and it would be a damn shame if a lot of these clubs died out and we had like only maybe two divisions in english football yeah, for like the next 5 to and 10 it, years that would be really really shame it would be a, 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 i don't know if that's if there's any real way to avoid that i'm not gonna claim that i'm a go- i know all the finances of the uk government and all that i don't have any of that information yeah, yeah. so i'm not claiming that they should i'm just saying like i understand why they're saying it is all yeah i think that was the arlington yeah. boss Accrington stanley um, i think Accrington stanley yeah but and it was sort of more of a response to some clubs criticizing the premier league for not I, I kind of agree no that maybe the Premier but, League could put more money down, and I think maybe they will I, going forward, but I also think they want to see what the things are coming up. And, the, the and they have given a significant portion the, of money. I'm not criticizing the Premier League yeah. either. That's sort of where I was saw that coming from. Is like They are giving money. They've given and their, I think they are going to give them payments. a loan as well, like an interest-free loan. Yeah. So yeah, they've they've already they generally been making pay. They Premier League pays. I can't remember what they call it. They have payments. They make two payments a year to the um, to the lower league, to the English to league. The yeah, top, the league. I think, the top four um, tiers, like the top three, uh, the 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 top so three to, tiers yeah, below the to, Premier League. Yeah, it goes to the the yeah. EFL, the English Football League, um, which isn't yeah the conference yeah. system, but that's. And they give them payments, which is sort of a understanding that, hey, you know how we broke away way back so that we get more money, and you guys got screwed over. Yeah, we feel a little skilled money, feel a little guilty. So yeah, yeah. Money. And but they have paid forward several of those payments yeah. um, over this COVID period. So they've been like, oh look, we understand things are going badly. So you could well, it is a little bit, but at some point it means that you know then. The EFL is not going to get that money because they're like, hey, remember how we? this is forward payment? We just paid it in earlier than normal just so you had some money. It's not extra yeah. money. Um, but, yeah, it, they are doing what they Think can. So. And, and, and the Premier League's got to make sure the Premier League teams also don't. Exactly. And, and, you know, they're losing, what did you say? Man United's losing like... Man United is haggling... million pounds or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Man United are currently haggling over 18 million pounds for a player, which I'm seriously thinking, like, not even counting Champions League spots, just the difference between sixth place and third place, which is what Manchester United want to maintain, is about maybe 20 million pounds, just in the prize money. So to me, that financially doesn't make sense. But, you know, if you don't have the money, you can't, (laughs) you know, it's not in budget, you can't pay it. and. Yeah, exactly. And there's no, there's we don't have a we can't see a light at the end of the tunnel post COVID where there's money coming in for Dortmund to get that money. So maybe Dortmund are being a bit greedy, but also maybe they're like he's a good player. We don't want to sell him. 
Yeah, I actually, my understanding there is that's more the point. Is Dortmund's just like we we don't want to sell. Yeah. We want our good players. And Jaden Sancho yeah. is not kicking up a fuss. Like he's negotiated his terms yeah. with United, so they know what sort of contract he'll yeah. pay. And he's like, "Yep, if it goes through, but I'm not gonna force it. I'm happy at Dortmund for now." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it does sound a bit that's less the money's there, and Dortmund's just wanting to keep a good yeah. player, at least for another season. Yeah. Um. And. Their, their points more look we want to keep them so if you don't pay this is we've set a price mm-hmm. that, that we're having that's the buyout clause we want them to stay the reason why we've set it there is because we want them to is stay it, so if you don't pay that money is it fair for UEFA to even look at enforcing financial fair play in like the this season last season and maybe next season given the COVID world I sort of feel because like I feel like outside I'm money coming in and invested into the game right now is good. Because financial yeah. fair play, the way it was in, like we got to remember, financial fair play yeah, was yeah, never fine. meant to be used as a soft salary cap and uh, all these other things. It yeah, was yeah. there to prevent clubs from going into receivership and spending more than their means. And yeah. I think we can, as much as it's the way it's worked out, but since it's been introduced, it's been largely successful at that. Um, we don't hear about clubs, like very few, like obviously you hear about clubs like Bury FC, it's just a damn shame, and a bunch of other yeah. clubs going bankrupt and stuff like that, but it has prevented it from happening in the top tiers of most leagues. Yeah. And the trying to keep things even and trying to introduce a, the, a kind of salary cap type system, it was never the scope of the act. It ended up being a bit like it, no. but it was never in this, you know, meant to be one of the well, things it did. It, yeah, it just it didn't really do it. I guess it just provided guidelines around what, so that salaries had to meet certain exactly. expectations. And that was probably more it. That, um, but like you know, didn't have ridiculous salaries. Exactly like, uh, but you know, if Sheikh Mansour wants to put in a hundred million dollar another extra 500 million dollars into city and i'm not saying he has that money to do that and put that into the greater manchester economy that's good for everyone right like that's I don't, there's no downside to that no and from that point of view i think maybe you're right that uh relaxing of the fpa rules yeah would be yeah. helpful um it would i mean yeah provide a, a way to buy Put some more yeah. stimulus into yeah. the clubs and and help keep them alive. Yeah. Um, but at the same point, because the the FPA sort of does have a soft salary cap, it has the opposite effect as well of not. If it being there means that there's not going to be craziness around transfers, yeah. um, which could force a more of an inflation thing, which would be bad. So that's why I'm uncertain. From one point of view, yes, allowing... And maybe it's just that they need to look at some regulations and relax mm. some. Um, and just be like... I, there, there, is, there is some leeway here in, a, in particular... Is the fact that it's a soft salary cap actually making the leagues more uncompetitive in the long run? Then, like, the nature of their soft salary cap is because it, it is basically the rich stay rich. 
or or get richer in yeah. that system because if if you earn more money you're allowed to use more money and yeah. like Um, I think, and like for example, if you had a hard salary cap, like for example the NFL, so if every club had a, your salaries are fixed at, um, for example, say two hundred million, and that's a laughable figure because you know no Premiership club probably has such a low salary, you know, wage bill. But I'm just <laughs> doing it for rounding numbers. Um, <laughs> 200 million like at least that would be even right every club could only pay a wage bill a total wage bill of 200 million like you wouldn't you would really see uh, a more competitive system but i don't know if i like it i'm just merely saying would that would that yeah putting it out there would it be more competitive my counter to that would be that the current system the english premier league under the current system is pretty competitive yeah. um, in general. Yes, there is a top six, definitely a top four, and maybe a top six or seven, which are at the top and don't look anytime soon like they're going to ever fall out of that. And it would be some massive cosmic shift, yeah. you know, multiversal shift to make that change. And that is because the um, you know, the financial fair play rules and the soft salary caps and everything because they've got the money so they can spend the money. Um, and because they've got the money and spending the money on the players, they get the money because then the fans will come watch the mm. players so they can sell shirts and they have the income. I think we're at the um, point with the Premier League, at least there is a thing of diminishing returns. I don't think the Premier League has an, yeah. an issue. It doesn't need a salary cap. I'm more thinking yeah. um, leagues like League Un, um, Bundesliga, yeah. La Liga, like... Premier League, you earn yeah, so was, much money from television rights anyway that the... Yeah. I was just using the Premier League as an yeah. example of it working well. And I would whilst my, my counter example of, of where hard fixes, I would argue, don't work very well. It's not football, it's not even European, it's the NRL. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it, it sort of does its job because the talent is spread and you do get, you don't necessarily get set teams always mm. winning, except for the Melbourne Storm where they were... No, they were cheating, so that's... A, that, they were cheating, so... That kind of proves the rule, almost. <laughs> that sort of proves the rule. But it, I find the competition in the EPL more exciting, all the way down. And the NRL is exciting at the top. Whichever teams happen to be at the top gets exciting. Yeah. Um, but... It, the ones that are clearly this year haven't made the good deals. Yeah, it's not exciting. Like, I mean, there's a reason why the clubs change. There's a reason why the Melbourne Storm are a perennial competitive team, whether they're uh, yeah. whether they're cheating or not, and yeah, which is the other part that whether makes they're... you go, "God, man, <laughs> like you didn't need to cheat. You were clearly one of the best teams." Yeah, and but yeah, it's it's. The 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 NRLs each year is different, but each year is the same. There's these clubs, they've got the good players. They've this year they've those are the good players. They're playing well. I think the last club that wasn't a traditional big club to win the NRL are the North Queensland Cowboys in 2015. Yeah, 
So, I mean, it's the fixed, hard fix. And to an extent, you could maybe say Cronulla in 2016. Yeah. But even that's like, I'm being very, very, like, mean to Cronulla by not calling them one of the big clubs, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, Cronulla is definitely traditionally a big club. Um, It's just that probably for the last 20 years, that hasn't been true. Well, hasn't been as true. Yeah, the last yeah. Queensland team to win an NRL is the North Queensland Cowboys. Oh, those Broncos have fallen far, haven't they? Yeah, and just their season just, oh, it's even worse. It's just like, Brisbane, what have you done? What happened to you, man? You used to be cool. Yep, yep. But yeah. Uh, but that's it, next season's a new Absolutely. season. Absolutely. I there are... But next season's the Warriors season, obviously. And there's a bit of that as well in the other sports with the salary cap, where the NFL have got... Um, I like... Okay, we can make a bit of an exception for the New England uh, Patriots, because there is this weird thing in Gridiron where your quarterback takes a huge portion of your wage bill, because your yeah. future as a franchise pretty much depends on one player like yeah. over maybe 10, 20 years. And um, Tom Brady uh, has been willing to take well below market rates for a player of his caliber to keep the New England Patriots competitive. Yeah. And just, you know, they're the same people that kind of, you know, own a bit, they own a bit of Liverpool, they own a bit of the Boston Red Sox. So they clearly know how to like, Having a good organization probably these days makes more difference in a sport, in a franchise's, you know, like what, uh, in a franchise's fortunes than like actual players and ma- even maybe managers to an extent. Yeah, yeah. At least from a long term perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we. Going back to the uh, uh, long-term thing of the game, do you think if, and I hope this doesn't happen, if we have to have a, the se- if if we do get a break in the season where they're forced to, like close, like they have to go into lockdown for four weeks, like Auckland did over here, yeah. um, in the second lockdown. Because they would probably still finish, like, I'm saying a short lockdown. What, like, would that add an asterisk for you? Uh, for this season? Almost, yes. I, I, I mean, I think that, unless because they just, the, this season's probably going to have an asterisk, no matter mm. what. Because, pretty much anyway, it couldn't have an asterisk. Is it, either they had got back to crowds this weekend mm. and that had continued all the way through to the end of the season, which also seems, both those would have seemed unlikely anyway. Um, or if we continue the way through the end of the season with just no crowds and it continues as yeah. is. But then at least it's a consistent season. Mm. Um, but I don't really see either of those, either the crowds in the next couple of weeks and that lasting all the way through or no crowds all the way through. I don't see either of those situations happening and the likelihood would be that there'll be crowds back but then there will be also probably some sort of disruption 
uh, with games having to be postponed or possibly even cancelled, which would be even... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think once you have events. games cancelled, that's the season over, right? Like, nobody can not put an asterisk on that. Yeah, yeah, it has to be an asterisk at this that. But as I mean, I don't see... Even games delayed as we get through to the Christmas period, I think that... And I'm talking about delayed, properly yeah. delayed, not just a week or two, like... This is... These games can't be played until much, much later, so that they don't fall within that window. And there's some that get played within the Christmas window, and some that don't. Um, then that's all. That is changing the nature of the season um, and providing differences between teams' seasons. And then you have to have an asterisk. As soon as one team's path through the season has a drastically different feel to it, either via which games they play in front of fans, which or home fans which they don't, um, how their the games per week sort of work and busy schedules and less busy schedules and breaks and those sort of things. Do you think, like going a bit away from club football, given we're going to supposedly have the European Cup um, in June this year, and the original way they were going to do it is the tournament was going to be spread around Europe. And I think that's not feasible anymore. And would they host it in a bubble? That would probably be the way they go. I would think... Where, and why will it be held in Germany? Because clearly that's where it's going to be held if it's going to be in a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah. I, yeah. I feel that's just going to be the way it is if... They're going to have to plan for it to be in a bubble. I think either either Berlin or London are the two yeah. cities where you'd have to host it. Because they, in London, you've got Wembley, Hyber, uh, sorry, not Highbury, Emirates, and um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and even the like yeah. Stamford Bridge and Craven Cottage, if you yeah. needed to go that far. And Sellers yeah. Park could easily host games, and you just keep them, everybody confined to a bubble and do it over there. Yeah. Yes, I think that's that's almost the way they'll have to plan it. I don't think they'll be able to plan it any other way. Even all the way up to June. They just have to they'll just have to be the way it is. It's either that or pretty much cancel it. Yeah, that, well if they don't cancel it and it does go through yeah, I mean, are we even debating that it's gonna have an asterisk next year? <laughs> no. Yeah, I think it'll have to have an asterisk. And pretty much, I think all all sports, all leagues this year are pretty much going to have to have an asterisk on them in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Because there's just no easy way for it to see them getting through a whole season without disruptions and those disruptions having a meaningful impact on the outcome of the season. Yeah, I mean, like just to give you an example, Major League Baseball usually has a season of 160 games. And they have 50 this season. Yeah. Because usually you'll play a home and away series against another team. So you'll go, like, you know, a team will visit yeah, yeah, and yeah. they'll play seven games over a week. And then, you know, later on yeah. in the season, the other yeah. team will come visit you. You go. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't do as many cross-divisional, cross-conference yep. Um, games this year either they kept them within the division interleague games they called them in baseball but yeah Yeah. they didn't do that and they couldn't do that 
No. Um, so they just had each division is pretty much its own little bubble. I'm just going to put an asterisk on it because the Mets didn't make the playoffs. And I know they don't usually <laughs> make the playoffs, but I'm just going to say it's just because. You know, they would have otherwise. <laughs> Obviously. It the was year. their year. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to go down on a bummer. So let's look at the fixtures and let's end on that coming up. Sure. Um, so Saturday games, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, in theory at Stamford Park. Um, tough game for Chelsea. I could easily see Crystal Palace win this game. And they have beaten us at Stamford Bridge in mm. the past. In fact, somewhat regularly over the last yeah. few years. Um, but I think, I think we will look better. Um, I think the game at West Brom has shown I think that's the wake up call the defence needs um, I feel there'll be a bit of change there I don't know if um, Chilwell will be fit yet but if not Aspilicueta will go in at left um, yeah. Tango Silva will be more on to what he needs to do I think they would have more practices together so he yeah. his ability to, to organise the defence as well and having as Laqueta on the field and therefore taking the captain duties and also providing leadership at the back yeah. um, will make the difference. And we will have uh, Mendy as well. Mm. So I think from a defensive point of view that will we will get much more short up than what we have been over the first three games. I am um, going to pick a... And the attacks, yeah. attacks only looks been looking better and better. So I agree. We're gonna score goals, so. I predict a high-scoring draw. I think a three three two two. Something like that. I I would go with a three one. Maybe a three two. I'll I'll give us the Fair edge, enough. Obviously. Um Everton versus Brighton. I think Bright Everton have shown their the real deal. Yeah. Brighton lost back to back to United and United are not a good team. Like they were very, very unlucky to lose that league fixture, but United kinda of put them away in the Carabao. Uh, Cup, uh, which admittedly yeah. is not their first team as well, so I'm no. not uh, going to heavily bag on them, but I think Everton are, have got momentum and I can see them continue their perfect start, I think maybe 2-0 to Everton. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Everton's just been playing very well. Um, yeah, I was saying three wins from three. Sure, not necessarily, you know, well, they beat Crystal Palace, they beat West Brom, and they beat Tottenham. So yeah, I don't see them not not winning this game. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think yeah, It'd possibly even yeah, you say two 0 maybe even three nil. Uh, and Leeds United versus Manchester City. Um, oh, this is a game that's missing the crowds. This is a game that's missing the crowds, and I think the crowds would have made a difference to Leeds because I think City are yeah. Uh, but I think Manchester City are putting something a bit together, and I I expect they're going to come back. I think a very close win. I think maybe two one. Yeah, a little bit of this is probably going to be on fitness levels for on the fitness side of things or the injury side of things for Man mm. City. But yeah, I see a a City win. I think they'll be able to close it out easily. I'd possibly even go. 1-0 or 2-0. Like, I could see them getting their goal and then being... The business is done. 
Let's not get yep. silly. Control the game. And and either getting another one mm. on the counter or yep. you know after Leeds is trying to push for the for the equalizer. But Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I see City is controlling that game. I think so too. Um the new next game is Newcastle United versus Burnley. I think Burnley are a good side. Sam Dyche is always very wily, and I think yeah, yeah. he always gets he gets good the good results out of his players early in the season. I see Burnley winning this game, and probably maybe even comfortably two 0 Yeah, well, Burnley haven't had the best starts, um, and it, whilst I know there's no um, crowds, it is at Newcastle. Mm. And Newcastle's been looking pretty pretty decent. Not um, over the top good. I mean, they had a draw at Tottenham. Yeah. And they did lose to Brighton. And Brighton had a great card there. You know, yeah. But they, they won their opening match against West Ham. I know West Ham, so it's not a, the, the biggest, yep. you know, yep. most exciting thing. It's like, you beat West Ham. Well done. Pretty <laughs> much. Has your participation award, but um, I see Newcastle winning this one. I don't. Burnley haven't looked like themselves yet. Yeah. They haven't clicked into into gear this year. Um, so I actually see a Newcastle. From what I've seen, have looked like it, it's there. It's just fair enough. What kind of score so do you I see? Would actually, give it to. Uh, I'd probably see maybe a two-one sort of thing. Uh-huh. I think it might be a bit tit for tat sort of uh-huh. thing, um, but Newcastle gets gets the win. Leicester, West Ham, Leicester, easily. Leicester. Vardy Three, gets another hat trick, maybe. Five, six, seven, yeah, how many? But yes, I think that's just going to be a romp. Saints yeah. versus Baggies. How many? Next on. Um, I think the Baggies have shown a bit of resolve. I can, see, I think a draw. They have. One all. And... Yeah, I I would actually probably agree with that. Um, what has Southampton been doing? They beat Burnley. They lost to Tottenham. They lost to Crystal Palace. No, I think you're right. I, the Baggies are, have looked good enough um, to at least snatch a mm. draw there. I, I don't think Southampton's been horrible. Like it hasn't been horrendous. It's just been Southampton more yeah. than anything. They'll somehow not and get West relegated Brom, at the end of the season. We're, we're not, yeah. We yeah, we know. And West Brom, I mean, they haven't looked wonderful either. Um, but as they showed against Chelsea, you give them a, a chance. I mean, I think they scored three goals from three chances, yeah. and that was about it. Um, but it sort of shows all you need to know about yeah. them. Like, they get a chance, they're probably going to score a goal. So, yeah, I can see that being a draw. As well, so maybe one, one, maybe two. Mm-hmm. But... Arsenal uh, versus Sheffield United, Gunners versus Blades. I think you'd never take a knife into a gunfight, so Arsenal's gonna win no. this one. Probably very close game yeah, though. I think... I think by one goal. Yeah, Sheffield United. I think. I expect them to pick up leads. as the season goes on, but I think Arsenal have momentum. Yeah. Oh no, they lost Aston Villa as well. I the red card. I was thinking, oh, they lost all three games, I see. I was thinking, I was sure I'd not seen them being too bad, but it does look like it's maybe not going to work for them. Um, you're right, that they have 
they look better than what the results mm. say, I think. This is perhaps where I'm going with that. Um, but I, I don't think it's turning around this weekend. Yep, yep. I think Arsenal still will, will, will take the win. And probably two, maybe even three. And um, you know, no, I don't see Sheffield United scoring this, this week either. Yep. So they might have to wait a Fair week. enough. Wolves versus Fulham. Yeah. I think we can agree. Wolves are just too good for Fulham at the moment. Yeah. Easy yeah. win for Wolves. Definitely. One or two nil. Easy win. I don't see heaps of goals, but I don't think they're going to be threatened. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think that's a Wolves win. I mean, Wolves have struggled. Haven't quite clicked mm. as they had. I mean, they were looking good at the end of last season, and that's only a few weeks ago. Um, but hasn't quite worked out for them. I mean, they lost to West Ham. Yeah, that's pretty much all you got to say. And it was, and it wasn't even a close loss. It's four yeah. nil. I mean, Manchester. Uh, um, look, the next game we'll just skip ahead for a sec because I think that's the fixture of the uh, of the week. But Aston Villa, Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool by lots. I think we can agree. Yeah, by. Slightly less than whatever Leicester City beats West Ham by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, that's how I, think that, I think you're right. I think 2 0 at yeah. least to Liverpool. Yeah, least. United versus Spurs at Old Trafford. Um, yeah. yeah, revenge tour for Mourinho. Um, yeah. Ollie at the wheel. This is another one that's. I can totally see Spurs spursing this up. So I could. <laughs> <laughs> they could spurs it up. Yes. Uh, I am predicting a Spurs spursing up. They're going to go into a 3-0 lead and somehow lose 5-3. I don't... Yes. That would be a good watch. Um, I don't quite see it going like that. Yeah, because this this United team are not capable of scoring five goals in a game. (laughs) I was trying to be polite, man. Come on. Um, But that said, I don't actually see Tottenham sorting this out. Mourinho has been a bit third-termish Mourinho. Mm. Already. Um, already, which is not very well for no. Tottenham. Um, I, think, I don't think he'll be full-on third-term yeah. Mourinho. He's got he's something to prove sort of this season. Yeah. It's just, yeah, there's, I think he still hasn't quite fitted into the Spurs are not United or Chelsea yeah. or... You know, Real Madrid or any of that where they'll where you can just splash money mm. on stuff, um, and you don't get to have three world class players at every position. Yeah, you've got Harry Kane, man. You've got to put. You've up got Son as well, and Son so has been on fire. Um, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if Son just, scored yeah. a hat trick. Okay, I will yeah. temper my four three to <laughs> to United. <laughs> I'm thinking this is a draw, and it might even be a 1-1. Possibly even a 0-0, because... Yeah. Mourinho might just be weird. Yeah, I mean, Spurs um, have not won at Old Trafford in a long time. No, I don't I don't see Spurs winning, but I also don't see Man United yeah. winning. I, I, I find it hard to envision both their paths to winning, other than the other one just being so much worse, and it should have been a 1-1 draw, but the other team just couldn't find it themselves to score yep. the goal. Um, despite having, you know, chances given to them. Mm. This like, could be a yeah, game where neither team wins because neither team can, tr- can win. 
that's and as I say, if Mourinho seems to be Mourinho himself, and I'm worried that that's for Spurs fans that that's going to unsettle. I'm not. We've been there. Fans. They can suffer now. Oh, yeah, I know. I was I was trying to think of it. Like I don't certain know orange hair fan can enjoy all the Mourinho he's got. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. No, I take that back. No, this is going to be fun. <laughs> You do seven, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he's doing his best to... Mooney seems to be doing his best to unsettle Kane. Yeah. For some reason. It's like... You know, we know you need another striker because you need cover, but... You could do it by not... Being Mourinho. Like, talk it, be Mourinho and talking down your stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but... Yeah. Hey. Yeah, there's a way to say it. Yeah, but that's that's really right. He just says he says what he thinks, and it does help to remember that English is not his first language, and it, it becomes clear that some of the Mourinhoisms um, are translational. Yeah. Um, and as he was, I watched um, what was it? The first Tottenham game, oh Tottenham Everton, where they lost and. Yeah, Everton's goal was controversial. Yeah. Um, they, pro- they probably deserved their goal, but it was controversial. But, you know, it wasn't even that comments after the game. Yeah, I watched it mostly just so I could watch, listen to the comments by the <laughs> But his more controversial comments was dissing on his players for lazy pressing. Um, had, like, you could see the interviewer being like, You're calling your players lazy? Like, yeah, what the... I have to dig into this, but it became more and more obvious that it, it was very much a translation yeah. issue or a lack of a Mourinho not knowing a, a better word to use. Yeah. They're lazy. It was, they weren't using as high a tempo as he liked. Let's be fair, he wasn't wrong. No, he wasn't wrong. He was completely correct. Even if you take the exact, the way it sounds, he's not inaccurate. No, he wasn't inaccurate. It was very true. But it's sort of funny because he was then also like, I can also talk to my players. Like, oh, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'll go back and talk to my players. I can talk to them and say things that I can't say in front of you. And you see the interview like, but you just call them lazy. Yeah. Like, on public TV. Yeah. What else is there to say? Like, no, no, he means lazy in that. Yeah, they weren't running the way he wanted. Mm-hmm. Not that they weren't running because they were lazy. Yeah. It's just that they weren't having as high a tempo as he would have liked. And there was multiple reasons for that. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny watching the after thing. Just the, the TV interviewer trying to pass what he was hearing into things like, are you actually saying that? Yeah. What? And like, he's not actually saying that. He's saying something different. Yeah. He's right in both senses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. But yeah, on that note, I think we can end it here. Um, Thank you very much for listening. and. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. We'll catch you next time.